African Dialogue, looking at different events in depth, discussing a variety of issues. What we see here is a clear violation of one, the right to privacy of Tiwonge and uh, Stephen. The position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting. Well, good morning and welcome to yet another episode of African Dialogue. Thank you for joining us. Remember, we come to you every Monday to Thursday at 1100 hours Central African time. Thank you for joining us right here on Channel Africa. Remember, we, you probably know by now we're on various platforms on shortwave, on DSTV, and also on our website, www.channelafrica.co.za. Today, we're looking at uh, this issue of South Africa actually going into a technical recession. Uh, Now, this recession is said to be uh, the decreasing of 0.7% of the real uh, gross domestic product in the uh, second quarter of the year. Uh, This is despite uh, expectations from many economists that the country would narrowly miss a recession. Meanwhile, President Cyril Ramaphosa says impediments to the country's economic growth are due to transitional issues and will be resolved. When Ramaphosa took over as president in February this year, uh, the rent strengthened and business confidence was up. But in the last few months, it's been really rocky with the the government increasing value-added tax, while we've also seen um, fuel prices continue to rise. Well, to assist us on this particular subject, to really find out how does this impact me and you, and also how uh, the international community could respond to the situation, that South Africa finds itself economically. We're joined on the line by Amanda Fitchin, who is a lecturer at the Department of Economics uh, in the University of South Africa. And also we've got Temba uh, Nolutsunga, who is uh, the director of the Free Market Foundation. Let me start with you, Amanda, really trying to make sense from uh, a normal person's perspective here in terms of this particular recession. Um, Stats essay announced on Tuesday that the country's real domestic uh, product has decreased by 0.7%, as I've said in that particular intro. Uh, can we make uh, listeners understand what we're talking about when we're referring to a technical recession? Good morning. The technical recession, we, as economists, if we have to define what we mean by a recession, it's generally when we have two quarters of negative growth. Mm. Um, so it's really just a technicality. I think if you ask the man in the street about the, uh, how the economy is affecting them in a negative sense, they would long ago have told you that sure. things are tough within the economy. But uh, in, a, in a strictly definitional sense, it's when um, two um, consecutive quarters of negative growth um, or termed a recession. Mm. 
Tell us a little bit about uh, what has contributed to this, because some people will say that uh, when I've been listening to the radio, that it's the agriculture industry, which has actually been a big contributor. I know that uh, we struggled from a drought um, last year, and only we've just also seen um, Cape Town recovering from its uh, droughts. And also some other people are saying that the trade industry is also uh, going down, including uh, the transport industry. So it's a multifaceted issue. Um, can you unpack for us uh, really what's been going on uh, to actually create this economic growth deficit in the country? Well, it's really it's quite simple and yet quite diverse. Simple in that everybody could have predicted this would happen. And sure. the last number of weeks of um, political movements in the in, in South Africa were kind of like the last shot into our foot. Um, we were just picking up with hope for change with Ramaphosa and then the politics of the last number of weeks has not helped to uh, regain confidence. Um, so there's the political angle. In, in which regard, which, which issues politically have been ones that uh, have created that uncertainty that you're talking about, Amanda? Well, South Africa is a very small economy, and we're an export-led economy. And so we need the outside world, one, to invest in our economy to help us grow and also to buy our goods. And uh, right now, we are not, um, investment is not going to flow into the economy with the constitution and the threat of change because of land restitution without compensation and um, as the major issue in the last couple of weeks. So, yeah, that would be the, the, the most recent political backlog. But the um, political climate under um, President Zuma didn't um, engender any form of confidence. Um, people were waiting and seeing to see, if, in my opinion, if there would be a difference with the new president. And so... Um, delaying investment and delaying investment means that our economic growth has been either put on hold or um, stifled. Mm. Tembo, how do you make sense of uh, this uh, particular recession from your own perspective? Some people would have thought uh, with uh, the uh, Cyril Ramaphosa there was a euphoria of sorts and people were very optimistic that we'd see some changes on the economic front. Clearly, that trajectory was uh, a bit too hopeful. Yeah, the excitement over... uh Ramaphosa ascending to the presidential throne has dissipated. And now what has crystallized are the realities that confront this country. Uh, I'm sorry, Temba, we're struggling there with that particular line. I'm going to take a quick break because I want to hear your views uh, very clearly. Maybe we could try to see if we can redial your line and maybe get an alternative line that we can call because I'm struggling with that particular line. Well, we're trying to make sense, and uh, we've had Amanda Fitchin who's been unpacking the real issues around the economy. What are the uh, problems in that particular regard? We'll see if we can uh, sort out that line by Temba. Let's take a quick break. We'll be back after this. 
Swiss chocolate wouldn't be Swiss chocolate without African cocoa. <laughs> you know, it's funny when you think about it that way because you realize just how important Africa is to the global economy. And as long as we are deemed to be inferior by the community out there, nothing's ever going to change. I believe this is one of the uh, ancient Greek philosophers who said that when we teach, we'll learn twice. Hello, Africa. Welcome to 1000 African Voices on Channel Africa. 1000 African Voices every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. with repeats on Sundays between 10 and 11 as well as on Monday morning between 3 and 4 Central African Time. 1000 African Voices with me, Awurengwi C on Channel Africa. The voice of the African Renaissance from an African perspective. Well, it's 11.15 Central African time, and uh, we're looking at South Africa's economy. Joined on the line by Temba Alotsjunga, who is uh, the director at the Free Market Foundation. And also, we started the program with Amanda Fitchin, who is a lecturer at the University of South Africa's Department of Economics. Let's see if we've got that line that's much better from Temba. Are you there? Can you hear me clearly from your side? Yeah, I can hear you. That's much better. That is great. Just your thoughts. Okay, let me start off by saying that it, I think it's a healthy thing that the excitement over the ascendancy of Cyril uh, Ramaphosa to the presidential throne has dissipated, and now the realities are uh, confronting us. Yes, now, when we talk about a technical, re- technical recession, it seems to not convey the seriousness of the situation that we're having to deal with, that we find ourselves in. Let's call it a recession. Let's call it a recession and just move away from the cold sort sort of technical uh, connotation that accompanies the you know the technical recession sort of phrase. Now, a technical recession. What is happening right now is that it means that the industrial productivity production is on the decline. It means the unemployment situation is getting worse. It means that uh, the retail, the retail industry, retail trade is on the decline as well. Now, what is what factors have contributed to this? The bottom line is let's not be about the bullshit. This all is a consequence of government policy, and it also means by virtue of that, the issue can, the challenge can be addressed. Now, I'm going to point out very specific policies that have been implemented by government and that are being currently under consideration by government. Looming large on the policy landscape, local landscape, is the expropriation of land without compensation. Now, now the thing is, imagine what signal it sends out to potential foreign direct investors and domestic investors within the country. It means that this market, known as South Africa, is not a good you know, investment destination. Now, let us understand something here that's very, very crucially important so that we can't start moving you know, in, in the right direction. Investors are not, do not operate on the basis of doing any country a favor. They do not operate on the basis of altruism. Investors invest in a country, are attracted to a country 
on the basis that they are going to realize the great, great returns on their investment. That's it. Finish and clear. And now this, this uh, expropriation of land without compensation is sending out very clear negative signals that this is not the market to invest in. That's why I said, now, when that happens, that means that that's going to contribute to a situation where the economy is shrinking. Now, the economy is shrinking. This is what the recession means. It means more people are going to be unemployed. That we're going to be find ourselves in a far worse situation than what prevails at the moment, namely 9.6 million people being out of work. Yeah. Now, let me mention some other policy policy uh, policy measures the government is implementing or considering implementing. The fact we have a very rigid labor market in this country. And a rigid labor market makes it difficult for people to be employed. And now to exacerbate this state of affairs is the fact that a national minimum, minimum wage right across all sectors covering the entire country is about to be implemented. Now, the bad thing about that is when some businesses have to comply with a stipulated mandatory Minimum wage. Uh, Temba, I can't. I'm, I'm really struggling with that line, uh, Temba. I can't really hear you very clearly. Uh, but I hear in terms. But I hear your what you are trying to look at, and you emphasizing the issue of uh, uh, the. Uh, area whereby the, the political agenda that is moving into the uh, issue of uh, uh, the land expropriation without compensation, and that is creating a, a perception in terms that's creating a, 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 an atmosphere whereby there are limitations from investors and uh, people actually not sure how and why they need to invest in the in South Africa's economy. But I'm going to take another quick break and see if we can sort out that line because I'm I'm struggling with you, Tim, and we'll come back to you, Amanda, after this break. Welcome to Change Your Game on Channel Africa, the African perspective. We are coming to you from Johannesburg, right here in South Africa. I'm Asanda Beda, your host. Change Your Game, the program that promotes open discussion and social dialogue as we highlight real issues in the African entrepreneurship ecosystem. Trevor Mumba now joins us in studio to talk about his entrepreneurial and personal journey. Welcome to Change Your Game, Trevor. Thank you so much. Um, It's an honor to be here. Palesa Mukubong, who's a designer. Welcome, Palesa, to Change Your Game. Thank you. Your role at the fourth annual Fashion Without Borders event? I just know that I need to arrive and, and, <laughs> okay. and do my part and do it really, really well. Yeah. Well, we're still unpacking this issue of the recession in South Africa, looking at how it impacts the ordinary person in the street. Just like Amanda was highlighting earlier on, the economy in South Africa has been very much constrained. Uh, the consumer has been really left with little options. As I mentioned, that uh, we're seeing uh, that government has increased the value-added tax while fuel prices continue to increase. We saw for the first time in the first quarter of 2000 
and 16, where households also cut consumption expenditure, uh, which decreased by 1.3% for that particular quarter. We saw the biggest cuts being recorded in uh, transport, food and drinks. This was according to uh, Stats South Africa. Amanda Fitchin, in terms of where the consumer sits in this particular predicament where the economy of the country finds itself constrained, um, what more is to be done for, for the consumer and what can they do to navigate around such a limited uh, environments? Amanda, are you there? Uh, yes, I'm there. Sure, I can, can hear you. Hear sure. Um, the word limited is definitely the catchword there. Mm. Um, consumers very constrained in their disposable income. If you take all the um, payments that one makes for basics like fuel, transport, um, communications, and so on, it doesn't leave after paying the increased VAT amount and um, any other subsidiary expenditures. I don't think that the average household has much disposable income to play with anymore. So things are getting tighter. Municipal costs are going up. Service delivery is down, but costs are up. Increase in the price of electricity um, with the um, uh, influence that Eskom's had on that. Uh, the, the consumer in South Africa is not in a happy place right now. And so what can the consumer actually do to uh, make sure that they survive? Because it seems like we're all on survival mode, Amanda. Well, um, people have to tighten their belts, cut unnecessary spending, whether we like it or not. The average spend on a mobile phone could probably be avoided. Um, cut back um, spending on, well, look, also suggesting cutting back spending in specific spheres means I'm going to be suggesting that that sphere starts to shrink as well, which has sure. implications for employment in the spheres. But, you know, clothing, make sure that people pay off their debt. Mm. That should be the first thing. After you've paid for um, your survival kind of expenses, the next thing which you must do uh, as a consumer is pay off your debt. And it's a catch-22 situation, isn't it, Tamba? Because, you know, the fact that we are seeing that uh, limitation coming from uh, the consumer, one would say, is it a good response that the public is starting to spend on a uh, limited and uh, constrained measures? Uh, but then we're also going to see... Um, consumption expenditure also being cut. So uh, there are many contradictions in, in that regard. Yeah, let me just uh, emphasize a, an important point and even not show from the consumer's perspective. There isn't taking into consideration the interest of a the consumer. There isn't much that the consumer can do about the state of affairs. All, all that can be advised is that they tighten the belts. However, in the same breath, I want to emphasize another point, and that is, which I made earlier, that the focus should be more on government, because it is government that has caused this recession that we have to deal with. Now, there are some specific measures here that can be implemented. 
One is, first of all, the, the expropriation of land without compensation should be done away with. It should not be implemented. It should not be enacted. It should not be effected to the Constitution as an amendment. And now then the second thing is that the size and scope of government should be drastically reduced. Understanding and appreciating that at the end of the day, government costs, government costs for taxpayers. For example, the South African Institute of Race Relations report in May cites that one third, that the wage bill is one third of the annual budget. Uh, that totaling 587 billion rands. And that is something like over 2 million people who are employed by government at all spheres of government. And the thing is, so they have the even need for the government to be reduced, drastically reduced in terms of its scope and also in terms of its size. Now the thing is, why is that so? That's because government does not produce wealth. Government does not create jobs. It creates jobs at the expense of the private sector. And the money that, that goes towards paying government comes from the taxpayers. And the taxpayers are, are our people, our corporates, our companies that uh, generate wealth and create jobs. The government does not do that. The government consumes wealth. And so the government needs to embark on policies that are going to stimulate economic growth, and that will happen when government gets out of the way of the private sector and plays the role of bringing about a policy environment that is going to be conducive to the spirit of enterprise, meaning that by reducing the cost of going to business, the cost of doing business, making easy for people, businesses to get off the ground, then operate there will be more employment. So there would be a proliferation mm. of businesses, mm. especially the SME sector, which account for about two-thirds of employment in this country. And look at what the government is doing right now. Look at the fact that the government is soon to be, will soon be implementing a national minimum wage. Mm. Now, with the national minimum wage, what's going to happen is, is that there will be quite a number of companies that will instead invest in capital that machines as opposed to labor, so that will be more people being unemployed. And, and the thing is, you, you also said, who will be the ones who will suffer the most? It will be mostly the young people. You know, I want to I want to pause you there a little bit, Temba, yeah, sure. in terms of what you're highlighting there. You know, the the land expropriation issue is a very much um, uh, relevant issue currently right now, looking at the socioeconomic conditions of the country in terms of uh, uh, equality, and also looking at uh, the historical uh, deficits that we've seen in terms of uh, equality due to the racial uh, conversations that are happening in South Africa. So saying that that issue should actually be put aside, isn't that we're creating another space where we'll be actually putting another time bomb that will be ticking, we're putting it on pause? No, definitely not at all. There are measures that could be implemented that could address the 
very objective that is cited as a motivation for for enacting this amendment to the constitution. The challenge is to grow the economic pie. That is the challenge because when the economy grows, it means that more people are getting employed. It means there's greater scope for economic self-empowerment. That's what happens. That is the challenge that we need to rise up to, growing the economic pie. If we are going to implement policies that are going to undermine economic growth, then that means everything that that is going wrong currently in this country will get even worse. Now, one of the things that could happen, for example, in terms of dealing with the issue of, 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 of bringing about a situation mm. where those who might be economically disadvantaged could actually see themselves progressing economically, mm. okay. uh, is that the government yeah. must get rid of much of the superfluous land that it has acknowledged mm. that it has, and okay. tackle that out. So poor families on a one-family, one-plot basis. I hear your sentiments there, um, Temba. Amanda, what what are your thoughts there? Because that's very interesting what uh, Temba is saying, especially because he represents the the free market principle uh, overall. But our society in South Africa is more complex, and it's not just uh, uh, as simplified as um, Temba puts it. Um, I do agree with everything that he said there that the government is getting in the way of economic growth Mm. in South Africa. Um, To look at a different aspect about the government impeding economic growth, if you just look at the quantum of of, um, RAND being um, accounted for now uh, in corrupt dealing, Mm. all that money, if it had been put to work in in productive and effective and efficient um, means rather than feathering nests of corrupt officials, even that would have made a big difference within the economy itself. So, you know, putting the land issue completely aside, one would almost understand a land issue being raised if the government had got everything else perfectly correct. Mm. But as an economist, sometimes one wants to go and sit and cower in the corner and cry. Because some of the mistakes that are being made and some of the activity that's going on is just so blatantly unproductive that what do we expect but bad economic growth or non-existent economic growth um, from policies which are um, either good on paper but not implemented or um, result in corruption of such a mammoth proportion that would put any investor off regardless who owns the land. Mm. Well, let me take a quick break and uh, when we come back as we're going to uh, have our final segment of the conversation, uh, I want us to really look at uh, the time that uh, Sir Ramaphosa, the president of the country, actually um, started becoming president. He hit the road running. We saw him at the World Economic Forum uh, trying to get some uh, investor confidence in the country. Just this week, he's still on that particular trail, um, really focusing on uh, uh, 
getting China investment into the country. So he's been trying his utmost best to find alternative ways of getting investment in the country. Is his strategy working? And uh, should we give him more time uh, before we see an, uh, a change of the trajectory of the economy? Uh, we'll pose those questions to our guest after this. This is Channel Africa, South Africa's official international public radio station on shortwave, internet and satellite. From an African perspective. Guess what? You can now listen to Channel Africa using Silozi, Chinyanja, Kiswahili, Portuguese, French and English, giving you an African perspective. Hi, my name is Tandalunye Nzovo and you are listening to Channel Africa. We are Channel Africa from an African perspective. Channel Africa, bringing you the African perspective. I'm an actress, I'm a motivational speaker, born with albinism. Um, the nurse first asked my mother, is your husband white? My mother said, no, why are you asking me that question? When I grew up, there was no publication of person with albinism disappearing, mm. being stolen. You see, it was happening, but there was no exposure as it happening now. Hi, I'm Kule Mulebazi, the presenter of the Albinism Report a program that demystifies myths and mysticism on albinism, highlighting challenges and achievements of people with albinism. Tune into the Albinism Report on the following time, Monday, 5 past 9 in the morning to quarter to 10 Central African time, and from 5 past 10 to quarter to 11 Central African time, Tuesday at 5 past 2 in the morning to quarter to 3 Central African time. The Albinism Report. An enlightened narrative with me, Pule Mulebazi, on Channel Africa from an African perspective. Well, it's 36 minutes past 11 o'clock Central African time and around uh, uh, nine minutes or so we'll get our business news from Wisani Matebul. I'm sure uh, there's a lot more to unpack in terms of what this recession means for uh, South Africa. Um, I want to look at um, uh, President Cyril Ramaphosa's um, attempts to really try to stimulate the economy, Amanda. And it's very interesting to see him actually from the beginning of his presidency he's been trying to go to all these economic summits and trying to actually get some investment into the country has his attempts been working or should we give him a little bit more time uh, for him to actually work on stimulating the economy uh, perhaps I should just say that I don't think that the uh, president necessarily has to um, an investor look to whether they should or shouldn't invest in the economy. And they look much broader than that. And so um, relying on investment summits, I've never considered that to be a reliable source of investment. Um, South Africa is quite good at conferencing and um, investment summits would fall under that category. I think we need to move away from talking about things now and start doing things. Um, and not leaving it up to the politicians. Maybe if the politicians took a, a, a back seat and weren't so right up front in 
economic terms and let the economy run as an economy rather than being driven by politics, we might get some um, investment. But right now, the world economy is not looking favorably at our um, economy, and I don't know how we're going to change that. Certainly mm. not by the latest utterances about the changing the constitution, regardless what the what we were changing the constitution for. Um, that would give an investor cold feet. And as the other guests said, investors come here to make money. They don't come here for altruistic reasons. Unless you're going to get a return on your money, might as well put it in the bank somewhere and sit on the beach and smoke the gold. Um, mm. So um, we have to become an, an attraction for uh, profit making. Um, otherwise, we'll have to continue to rely on aid organizations for investment mm. um, uh, viable and important sectors of sales. All right. Let me get your final sentiments, Temba. What are your thoughts in terms of moving things forward? Clearly, uh, Amanda doesn't think that the approach of uh, conferencing has been beneficial for um, South Africa. What What are your thoughts on uh, Sir Ramaphosa's attempts? Yeah, most certainly I do endorse what Amanda has said. But let me just get to the point about what I find problematic about uh, Ramaphosa's, uh, President Ramaphosa's approach in terms of trying to get the economy to be stimulated. The thing is, I have said the rules of the game for economic growth is that you, the policy makers, you have to adopt policies that are going to be attractive to investors, domestic or foreign-based and, and and that means that the policies have to be such that the perception or the reality is that the potential investors will realize great investments, competitive returns on their investment in this market in South Africa. Now, what is happening right now is that the president is not taking cognizance of this. And what he is doing is that he's embarking on him on an initiative to get grants, to get loans that have to be paid back by taxpayers, that's not the way to go. The way to go is just simply to accept the realities of economic laws and matters. You want the economy to be stimulated, you have to take into account that the point of departure for the policies that you might be considering has to be that you bring about a policy environment that's going to be compatible with business interests. Now, there is also talk about the job summit, another job summit, another futile exercise. Oh, for heaven's sake, the reality is that jobs are created by the private sector, and that is it. If you want to deal with the unemployment uh, situation, the capitalism now, in this country, you will have to ensure that the policies that are implemented are policies that are going to encourage domestic, domestic mm-hmm. and foreign direct investment, mm-hmm. especially. Now, we're losing investment to other markets. Even on the African continent, we're losing investment. Mm-hmm. And so I do not support, you know, the, the president's uh, campaign in terms of getting mm-hmm. grants and getting loans. We have enough entrepreneurship and entrepreneurial entrepreneurial zeal 
and, and capacity in this country for us to get to where we want to be. It can happen. So mm. what we need to do is just first of all put a hold on all the road policies, you know, suspend them, set them aside, and and just simply embark on just the right policies that are going to make us economically, globally competitive. And the thing is, there is a study that I want to bring to the attention of the viewers that is known as the economic freedom of the world. Very basically, that study correlates economic freedom and economic growth and other socio-economic, uh, positive socio-economic indicators mm -hmm. downstream. Okay. Now, so. in terms of this study, we are ranked at number 105 out of 159 countries. Mm -hmm. We're nearing the bottom. Right at the bottom is Venezuela. Mm -hmm. Whereas in 2000, this very same study indicated that we were, we were occupying position number 46. Mm, so mm. this study is an empirical study. It is non-ideological. It uses objective data. And there you can see exactly what needs to be done. There is another study which is known as the Intellectual Property Rights Index. Mm. And this one correlates property rights with, uh, with economic growth and, and other good indicators mm. such as job creation. And it just simply says where you have strong property sure. rights, mm. intellectual property rights and property rights in the broader sense, you will have high economic growth rates. You will have mm. greater employment. All right. And, uh, so, uh, so I would like to, you know, to prevail on the policymakers to remove their, any ideological mm. breakers and actually look at the facts as to what accounts for successful economies, high-growth economies, and what explains the fact that the same economies like Venezuela are mm. just sinking into an socio-economic abyss. Okay, we're going to leave it there. Um, it seems very, very uncertain where we are currently listening to our experts on the line, and they seem very pro-free market and allowing the market to determine its uh, value instead of these continuous uh, political in, in interventions. Well, thank you to our guests for giving us their viewpoints. Thank you to Amanda Fitchin, who's the lecturer at the Department of Economics, uh, uh, which is part of the University of South Africa. Thank you to the director of the Free Market Foundation, uh, Temba uh, Nolutsunga, who is uh, joining us on the line. Thank you for uh, giving us just a brief understanding of what's happening here on the ground and how we can take these news as South Africans. But uh, that's how we're going to wrap it up. 